Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Fat Muscle Project podcast. I'm John Gorman, one of your hosts today. We've got Lisa Franz in the house. Lisa, what's going on? How are you? I'm very well, thank you. We are having a lovely sunny day here in Colombia, and we're one of the lucky ones who did not have to go um, through daylight savings um, a couple of weeks ago, so <laughs> I can't complain. I, I tell you what, I don't know what it is. I wish we'd just do away with it, but we're not going to spend the the podcast bitching about that because I will. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> being dark at freaking 520 or something outside. So yeah, it's nice that you don't have to go through that. So uh, we, we've got a great topic today. We've, uh, we sat and talked about this quite a bit before we hit, hit record on our laptops here. And this is going to be a fun one. But before that, we've got some news that we want to let people know about. Now, we're not going to tell the people the topic, tell our people the topic that we're going to talk about. But the Fat Muscle Academy seminar is, by the time this episode drops, it'll be live. So the link to the Fat Muscle Project podcast and everything is in the show notes. You just go to fatmuscleproject.com. You'll see the flyer for this Fat Muscle Academy seminar. It's January 13th in Springfield, Missouri. We're going to have Cliff Wilson, one of the best coaches on the planet. Same with Jace Lopez. He's going to be there presenting. Uh, Lisa and I are going to present together, and we're going to attempt to do a podcast recording, but also a lecture and seminar at the same time. Um, so that will be fun. We can't promise it's going to be a podcast, but it will be fun to see that in person. So we're going to tag team up and do that. It's going to be a blast. And this, this event will sell out. All the events normally sell out when you have a panel like that. We're going to have a huge Q&A with all of the coaches, people like Pete Fitchin, Ryan Irwin. The list goes on and on. Um, open gym. We're going to feed you guys with a catered lunch as usual. We'll have draw prizes. It's just a blast. And tickets are $99. Like, we don't even – this isn't about making money to us. Like, yeah, we need to be able to help pay for some of it, but – I tell you guys, we lose money every single time we put this on because we just want it to be a great experience. So come on out, click in the show notes, send us a message if you have questions, but it's going to be a blast just being around other like-minded individuals. So that first and foremost is coming up and Lisa, you're going to be flying in. So I'm very excited. Yes. Very, very pumped to come to Missouri. <laughs> yeah. We're uh Missouri. It's going to be cold as hell too. So <laughs> be ready. <Yeah. laughs> um, what about you? What's uh what's what's a, what's a win that you've had the last couple of weeks that you want to pass on to people? Yeah, I was trying uh, to think of this. So two things came to mind. The first one being, for the first time, I'm really able to see and actually also have a good connection to my glute medius, <laughs> which might not sound like a lot to most people, but it's like being able to actually differentiate, oh, okay, cool. This is that part of the glute actually working um, versus just the glute in general, which was progress for me already. Cause I think I, on one of our other podcasts, I mentioned as a win that my mind muscle connection to my glutes are improving or is improving, but now I can actually like, oh, okay, this part, that part. So I think that's really cool and just um, is a whole different experience for someone who used to just focus on lifting more weight yeah. as opposed to what am I actually engaging and um, what muscle am I actually growing? So that's that's one part. And the other part uh, was that I cut myself really badly in my finger the um, a couple of weeks ago. And I could have lost my finger, but I didn't. And I actually still have full nerve function. So yeah, it was it was really bad. <laughs> um, talking about not knowing what to do in situations like that, but then add to that being in a completely different country with a different language, it was not so fun. Um, so I'm just grateful that I have all my 10 fingers and um, it, it really just places more gratitude on my body in general. So yes, that's, that's definitely a win. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad you have all, all 10 digits and you're good to go. Um, I don't know if I'd want you up there presenting if you only had nine. <laughs> no, yeah. Glad, glad you're good. It's a real quick win for me. Um, I've been super fortunate. We actually, um, it's 99% done, but we've just found a new headquarters. So we are growing and expanding. We had to double our size. Uh, we're moving over onto the east side of Springfield, Missouri, but 
you know, it's we only got to spend a year in this current shipping headquarters and we're just busting out the doors. So uh, thanks to everyone listening who uses and supports Fat Muscle Project. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's 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 been good. It's exciting. So we're going to move in in January. I don't know if it'll be before or after the event. Uh, we may do it after because putting this event on is a is a good stressful thing, but we've got a lot of balls to shovel there um, up in the air. So anyway, so yeah, that's our win. And then uh, huge win. You know, yeah, I, I know Black Friday is coming. I don't know if this will post before or after, but we've got a huge Black Friday sale. We're going to give away some brick by brick shirts. We're going to give away some shaker cups in orders. Uh, we're, we dropped our first vegan protein. A lot of people have asked for that. So it's a chocolate peanut butter fudge. And I am damn proud of that. There's one fat and three carbs per serving, uh, 20 protein. Oh, for a vegan protein, that's amazing. It's pea protein and brown rice protein mix because I want to keep the amino acid content up there, which we're going to talk about a little bit today in our podcast. I want to keep that up there because if, if you're a vegan, it's really tough to get enough amino acids to recover and grow. So yeah, um, but enough enough about that stuff. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about our topic today. This is going to be a fun one. Let's go ahead yeah, and I think that away. was a very nice segue in terms of the protein powders. So today we're talking about supplementation, but advanced supplementation at that. And um, as uh, John was saying, we were talking about it before the show because we were like, hmm, should we make this more of like uh, what does everybody need or what can everybody benefit from what's beneficial for general health, etc. But we decided we're actually going to do a separate episode on just more of the basics. So we do want to like preface this saying that we're like specifically talking about advanced supplementation. So meaning there are a lot of other supplements um, that you might be able to benefit more from or that you're probably going to benefit more from on a health perspective or general population level. Um, but nonetheless, um, tell us why uh, advanced supplementation can be so beneficial for physique enhancement, especially if you're an advanced athlete. Yeah. And, and I'm glad you pointed that out, Lisa, because there's so many supplements we could talk about that we're not talking about today. Um, and we've got a whole list and that's why we're going to do another podcast. You know, we're talking about magnesium and the different types of magnesium and, you know, vitamin D and do you need, you know, vitamin D with K or not, you know, different things like that. That will be an important episode and we'll break, break that down in a different fashion. But this today is more geared towards people that want to be their leanest, most muscular that they can be along with being healthy. So a sustainable lean and muscular physique, not a step on stage physique, because as we know from prior podcasts, that's not maintainable. So this is for, if you're listening, this is how you achieve your best walking around healthy, leanest, most muscular physique. And advanced supplementation can play a pretty big role in this. Okay. So you don't have to be a bodybuilder that steps on stage. There's two types of bodybuilding. You and I are bodybuilders, as, as we both know. We're not competitive bodybuilders, but it's bodybuilding is, as we know in general, the rock is a bodybuilder, but he's not a competitive bodybuilder. So it's just about that. And that's, that's why we wanted to go the advanced supplementation route. I, I think it's probably important to go ahead and just list out some of our basics that we, we would like all people to not overlook that we're not going to talk about today, or we're going to get hit up on the, uh, on the <laughs> gram. People are going to be like, you didn't say creatine. You didn't say omegas. Well, to me, I, I'm going to list some, Lisa, and you jump in here as well. I, You know, the basics I like to make sure everybody are getting are a multivitamin, okay? Like you, ne you need that to fight free radicals and just for general health. Uh, because when you train and you diet or trying to grow, it doesn't matter. Your body's under quite a bit of stress and you need a multivitamin. Um, creatine, to me, is a basic. It's the most researched supplement creatine monohydrates the most researched supplement that there is extremely safe and if you're in the gym training whether you're, you're the mom of two or three or you're the 40 year old dad that hasn't worked out since you played football in high school or you're someone like me that like you train all the time every day creatine's hugely important for things um you know like muscle growth muscle recovery uh, being stronger but also cognitive function but to me, it's a basic because if you're in the gym putting in the work all the time, creatine is a basic for everyone. 
Um, we'll we'll talk a little bit. I think we did a deep dive on creatine, but I'm getting old now, so I'm starting to. We to... just t- touch on creatine and basically saying, yeah, five five grams, ten ten grams, maybe for uh, larger individuals. For some individuals, three grams might do. Timing during the day doesn't necessarily matter that much, although yeah. some people say. Um, you know, post-workout or during your workout or with some carbs is, is or might be beneficial. Um, but generally speaking, as long as you take it daily, that's really the thing with creatine, taking it occasionally. And I mean, that's the thing with most of these things, but um, with creatine even more so since you actually need to saturate your muscle and that happens over time. So if you take it like three days on and then you forget about it for a week and then you take it a few more days, that's not really going to do all that much. Um that's a little bit different with like omegas. I mean, omega three would also be something where I'm saying, Hey, everybody, literally everybody should be taking some form of DHA and EPA. Um, and the quantity on that, of course, um, you can adjust depending on how hard you train, how much fish you generally eat, et cetera. But I would always say like one to two grams of EPA and DHA combined per day. That should be sort of like a minimum. Um, I always try to get people to take it post-workout or in the evening. Um, we just don't want to take that before your workout to like blunt the training adaptation. That's like the big part there. But other than that, um, I would absolutely agree with the with the multi as well. Um, there, I just always want to caution people in the sense of that's not a, an excuse not to eat your vegetables. Um, you should still quote unquote learn to eat vegetables, even if you don't enjoy them, um, mostly for the sake of fiber. And if you're like, oh, I can take a fiber supplement, not the same, absolutely not the same. Um, even if you might potentially benefit from a fiber supplement or anything like that, but um, we still want to get our, you know, three servings or so vegetables per day, at least I would say. Um, and nonetheless, we can still benefit from, from some multivitamins or vitamin C, um, especially if you're in winter and a lot of people around you are sick or anything like you, you feel like you need to fight off some, um, some illness around you, then extra vitamin C is always helpful. Yeah. I, I like, uh, I like to see one to two grams of vitamin C a day, a thousand to 2000 milligrams. Um, just in general, um, it's an antioxidant. If you take too much vitamin C though, you're going to be running to the bathroom. I don't think people (laughs) realize that it it can act like a diuretic as well. Um, but you can also get diarrhea. Um, so, you know, it seems to be that one to two grams is, is about perfect. That's what I take every single day. Um, and then finally, one other basic that you and I have listed here, Lisa, is um, whey protein is king, um, but it's I just put protein powder. I think you and I both agree on this, whether you're you're vegan or not, it doesn't matter. Just take protein powder to me as a basic because it, it allows you to space out your protein feedings, which is what we want. You don't want to eat twice a day. Uh, you want to eat three times as a minimum. I'd rather see somebody eat four, five times a day, really. If you want to eat six, that's fine too. But you want to space your protein feedings out. And for a lot of people, they don't want to eat chicken and eggs all day, uh, especially if it's tough on your digestion. So whey is actually great or protein powder is great because it gets through your system faster. It's You're not holding in there with a bunch of water. I know, I know myself, I don't want to eat like chicken and rice and then go train in the gym because I'm just, it's sitting in my stomach for hours. So I like to do whey protein and, and more of a simple type carb. But anyway, protein powder, if you travel, it's easy. So to me, it's, it's one of those basics. Um, very, very convenient. And as you say, like a lot of people, uh, uh, many women that I start off with, they actually don't eat enough generally and then definitely don't eat enough protein and then they're like ah because protein is so satiating for them or if someone might be going into a bulking phase or whatever because protein is so satiating um they have a hard time chewing all that protein as you just said so like drinking that is definitely an easier version and but of course if you're on the other end of the spectrum and you're like oh i'm so hungry then having more protein to chew where your body has to do more of the digestion um might be helpful too the only other couple of things i would add to that really basic list is as you mm, touched on before with magnesium and vitamin d probably as well um 
but yeah, aside from that, we'll touch on other things like vitamin B versus B, B12 or B complex um, or, you know, things like that in a future episode or, or calcium, et cetera, for, um, for health, for longevity. Um, but yet yeah, let's get more into the advanced supplements that we were talking about in terms of physique enhancement. So we wanted to start with, um, EAA, since that also links nicely in with the protein powder. So maybe you can explain to us why that still is beneficial or might be beneficial in which cases, and also maybe um, why BCAAs are not on that list, <laughs> because yeah. it's still a preconception. Like some people are still like, oh, I'm taking my BCAAs, but why are we actually saying EAAs, if anything? Yeah. So I, we've got a list here about five or six really good ones. And I just want to preface this by saying this is literally from a list that I send my competitive bodybuilders or serious physique enhancement clients. Okay. This is for, you know, if someone's never trained before, I'm not going to hit them with all these things. This is going to help get you. And I think we should also make sure people understand this advanced supplementation route that we're about to go. We all know people that when they first start training, they go into GNC or they go to some of these other super, uh, I almost said supplement superstore. They go, that's a local one. They go to these other supplement stores here and some supplement stores are really good. But a lot of the times they see people walk in and they're new and they don't know what they're doing. And they walk out with every supplement under the sun because it's a huge sale for the sales person behind the counter. And they have all the new stuff, right? All the new equipment and knee wraps and like all this stuff you just don't need yet. This advanced side, this this is going to be for people that have been training for a little while, that they've been counting their their new their macros and nutrition. So we've got five or six, but these can make a nice dent, especially the longer you've trained. You need that little bit of extra help because it's harder to gain muscle. Um, so the first one is, like you said, essential amino acids and intra-workout carbs together to me is I like to see that together. Um, and what that is, is people are going to have amino acids during their training and they're going to be drinking liquid carbs. So powdered carbs. And I've been doing this with athletes since 2010, 2011, where I used to just have them take Gatorade powder and mix BCAAs with it, right? Branch chain amino acids, um, valine, uh, leucine, isoleucine, like the three important ones. But the thing is EAAs and BCAAs are, it's a big difference. Okay. The branch chain amino acids, like we have an EAA supplement called EAAs plus, and it has all the branch chain in it, but it has all the essential aminos in it. And what happens is, is leucine is the branch chain amino acid. When you take that in, that turns on muscle growth. It turns protein synthesis on. So imagine that we're in this giant building and we're, we're in it, all the lights are shut down. And it has a bunch of machinery and we're going to build something in there, right? So if you walk in and you flip the switch and the power on, that's leucine. It turns the power to the building on to where you're going to be doing all the building, right? All the work. The problem is it only turns it on. Now you need something to fuel that. So you need a bunch of workers to get in there and make the work happen, right? So all the other essential aminos, they help fuel the process of protein synthesis. Carbohydrates help fuel the process of protein synthesis. Uh, fats even do, just not as well as carbs. So it's you can turn it on, you know, whey protein's high in amino acids, chicken's high, beef's high. You can eat these things and it turns it on, but then you need a fuel source to help fuel it. And the best fuel source is carbs, um, but those other essential amino acids are very important. So it's not just about turning it on. You want to fuel it. So during training in the trenches, there hasn't been a ton of research on this, but nutrient timing there has been, you will have better workouts. So when you take amino acids and you combine them with intra-workout carbs, things like dextrose, uh, maltodextrin, cyclic dextrins, that's what we have in our performance fuel product, 20 carbs for women, 30 carbs for guys, mix that with one scoop of essential amino acids. When you drink that during your training, you're going to recover between your sets faster. Um, you're going to have better pumps, which allow you to have better mind-muscle connection because the more of a pump you get, um, it's going to help knock lactic acid down. It's going to help your recovery faster. Just your strength is going to go up. All of these things happen, and it's a game changer. It's a complete game changer. People that haven't tried it, 
listen, we're talking about 20 carbs, like your 20 carbs is nothing. 30 carbs is nothing. Drink that during your training. You're going to burn through that during your training. You're not going to really store any of that. It's going to be used for fuel. And it just helps take your, your training to the next level, which is very important when you're someone trying to gain muscle or when you're dieting down, all my athletes do it dieting down because your insulin sensitivity is the best around the workout. When do you think you're going to burn through those carbs better? six hours after your workout or during your training, right? So I, I like to make sure I always put in your workout carbs there. And when you're dieting down, you're tired, you don't have a lot of calories for fuel. To have that during your training will allow you to keep having really good training sessions. It also helps knock cortisol down, right? Because we want to do that around training. Um, it's going to come back up because you can't eliminate it, but it just helps do all these things to help you have better training sessions which will lead to holding on to more muscle or putting more muscle on if you're in a growth phase. So, um, BCA I think that's a really good, really good point. I really like that analogy in terms of what leucine does and why we still need all the other um, branch chain amino acid, but also um, essential amino acids in terms of the intra workout carbs. Um, absolutely. I think it from a scientific point of view makes hundred percent sense. I would say if someone gets really hungry in a dieting phase, I would possibly consider pulling those uh, intra-workout carbs out and have them eat those 20 grams of carb. Cause I mean, let's say like a really tiny physique uh, or bikini um, athlete, you know, she might have hundred grams of carbs or less or whatever at, at the end of her dieting phase. And, and therefore 20 is a lot <laughs> drinking yeah. 20 that you don't actually feel that's a lot. Um, so I, in those instances, like I, I, I totally agree that that can definitely still help her get better workouts in that instance or, um, or help retain muscle mass, etc. But yeah, if someone gets to the point where they're like just really, 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 really hungry and complaining of that, I would possibly consider pulling those out. Um, and in terms of the EAAs, um, I think specifically from, from, from what I've heard, uh, again, not saying we're not saying that anyone needs those, especially if they're hitting their, their protein, uh, et cetera, and are dialed in with their calories and macros in general. But the EAAs, they just, as you said, take it to the next level. I think especially um, if you do work out somewhat fasted or um, Good point. like Mm -hmm. And especially also for vegans, you touched on, on vegans earlier. Um, for them, I would actually almost uh, recommend like having EAAs with, with all their meals. Why not? Because at least you're ensuring that they're still um, reaching or getting all the essential amino acids. And even if they have, let's say, um, just broccoli and maybe tofu in 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 their meal or whatever like or you know at least with the EAAs if you're you're sipping on the EAAs and while you're having your lunch there or afterwards or so you're still rounding off that profile again we're talking about like an insurance policy here and where we're taking things to the next level my only other question to you would be with the EAAs do you have your athletes track that um in terms of calories as well yeah i, I, I don't I, I just tell them to take one scoop um because it's really really hard for those to interrupt fat loss uh, it's really really hard i mean you would have to take in a massive amount and i i've just never seen it be an issue one other thing i, I would actually 100 agree with that like i have never had anyone track their eas of course intro workout carbs yes <laughs> but the the eaas i would also not count any of that towards your protein target or whatever um so yeah i just wanted to double check one, one last thing on amino acids uh check the label on stuff um, make I, I'm a huge believer in fermented amino acids. Um, they're much higher quality. And if you look at some of the cheap amino acid products on the market, I'm not going to name names. All you have to do, and there are a lot out there, they're made out of duck bone and feathers, right? Like they're actually, yeah, it's just, if you think about it, it's like, ugh, really? Uh, we went fermented. It costs us more money. Um, but it was a really like the testing on it was really good. We went with those because the quality is just so high because that, that's what we do. So look on the back of your labels. If it doesn't say fermented, there's a reason why you're paying $19 for a tub of branch chain amino acids, right? Like it's just, 
It's just the quality's not there. So anyway, what, what do we have up next on our list here? So next, and, and you kind of said uh, already, like when we're in a calorie deficit, workouts, et cetera, don't tend to be so great. Um, and of course, with longer periods of dieting, um, other things come along, like just generally hormones, hormones going a little bit down the drain or, um, you know, just in general, as people get older, they might, might have issues with low testosterone levels. So um, another thing that we listed here was testosterone boosters. And maybe you can talk us through um, what sort to look for, what kind of dosages and who you'd recommend that for or who you wouldn't. Yeah, I, I can say right now, there are so many experts out there and, and a lot of them I'm really close friends with who constantly say natural testosterone boosters don't work. And I, ch I challenge them. I'm challenging them now on the podcast. I challenge them all the time. The problem with the research with testosterone boosters is they don't control for cortisol. Okay. Cortisol is the number one thing. It's like saying if, if you're going to track a study that has to do with muscle gain, but you don't track the nutrition. Basically, you just have a bunch of people going in there and training and doing a program and all this, but they're, you're not tracking nutrition. So the people that gained made great progress because they're eating enough protein and they were eating at maintenance or higher, right? But if you're not tracking that, what about the other people that aren't eating enough and they don't quote unquote make any progress? Well, if you're not tracking the nutrition, how the hell are you going to know if it's accurate? So here's the thing with natural testosterone boosters. Researchers come out all the time because the research says it's, it's, eh, it, it barely works. Sometimes it works. It doesn't, they're not controlling for cortisol. So People that are under eating, their cortisol is going to be higher. It, it, their testosterone is going to be lower. A good um, testosterone booster, and everybody knows that I'm a hormone optimizer. I designed it for my clients. But I don't want to talk about that product in general. I want to talk about the ingredients that make something important. Because if somebody wants to do this piecemeal, they can. It's, it's what I was doing with my athletes for years before I even had the product. So there's, there's two things when it comes to a testosterone booster. You have to use good ingredients that help boost testosterone free test, but you also need to hit it with cortisol reduction at the same time. All right. If you're really looking to maximize your test levels, the more cortisol you produce, the less testosterone you will make, the less thyroid hormone you make, the less progesterone, those things. So you need to reduce cortisol as much as, as you can. You're never going to naturally take a supplement that's going to reduce it so much that you like have any kind of issues. It just doesn't work that way. I know people think that if you take way too much ashwagandha, it's going to do that. Never seen that in my life ever. Never seen the research on that ever, by the way. So you need to hit your, your, your hormones with a one, two punch, drop cortisol, boost testosterone. So the ingredients that are important, the ones I've been relying on since 2011, like I didn't design hormone optimizer until 2020. So I designed one way back in the day for a supplement company I was sponsored by, and I, we called it max test. And the base ingredient for that was deaspartic acid, which it's an amino, which the studies show it does help uh, boost testosterone. And we saw it, I think it was a 44% increase in the initial studies that came out. So deaspartic acid is a, is a good one. Um, we, I, I also like to see um, boron. Boron is great with boosting free testosterone, but only if you're making sure that you keep cortisol lower, because that's the number one thing that, that inhibits free T from going up or keeps it low is cortisol. So boron is another good one. And those, those are really the two that I like to, I mean, there's other supplements in my product, but there's other ones that will work. Those two, you need to make sure you have. And then ashwagandha is, is really the big one. And here's the other thing I love about my friends in the research community or, or the experts out there that like to quote the research and they have these big YouTube channels. They list ashwagandha as a testosterone booster. It's not a testosterone booster. It's a cortisol reduction product. And when you reduce cortisol, your testosterone goes up. And that's what, that's what, and listen, I affectionately want to choke the shit out of my friends. I love them, but you, you all need to understand how the body works before you just start quoting all this research, because the research to me is flawed. They're not understanding the systems of body. So back to ashwagandha, I like to use KM66, freaking great product, high quality um, that reduces cortisol. So then your body can also make more testosterone. So now what you're doing is you're synergistically using these, these ingredients 
and use them daily. It doesn't really matter when you use it. I know on my products, I put take it with meal one. Uh, your testosterone is actually the highest in the morning. I put take it with meal one so people would just remember to take it. Uh, you can take it anytime. If you're having trouble sleeping, take it at night because the ashwagandha is going to help drop your cortisol and you get a little bit better sleep. And your testosterone is the lowest at the end of the day. All in all, it's kind of a net net thing. Just make sure to take it every day. But that's the the breakdown on testosterone boosters. And as people know, I posted my clients' labs left and right showing really big increases, really big increases. And it's like, I've, I've got a friend, I don't want to say who he is because he's a real close friend of mine who runs a physique enhancement lab at a very, he's a very well-known physique enhancement researcher. And we've talked about doing a study on hormone optimizer. Um, I, I'm not opposed to it. Like I would put that to the test, but cortisol has to be controlled or, I, or I'll never do it. I'll never do it because it has to, it's that important. So I really like that you're emphasizing that because that's also so relevant for obviously female athletes, just when it comes to any trying um, to keep hormones as healthy as possible or get any improvements on that front. And I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha for sure. I, I personally take it twice a day, 500 um, milligrams each time, um, you know, dosages from what I have seen in, in, in recommendations or the research were generally from anywhere between like 500 milligrams up to like three grams or something like that per, per day. Yeah. Um, and as you said, it doesn't really matter what time of the day I generally take it like after, after my workout in the morning and then again at night to help me sleep. So I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha. Um, now when it comes to the testosterone recommendations. Um, so I, I like that you pointed out there, uh, the fact with the, the having labs done, because I think that there are also a lot of maybe young athletes or just generally men out there that might think, Oh, how can I, um, how can I fast track a little bit? Um, but their testosterone is actually in a really great place, naturally speaking. And I personally, like if they get labs done and everything is looking swell and perfect and whatever, I, I probably would not recommend personally that they take any boosters on top of that if they're already in a really good place. But as you say, if you're starting, if you're feeling more fatigued or if you're, I'm um, just generally, as we know, as we age, those levels do decline. So um, why not help out? But even there, I would say have your blood or have, have markers taken regularly, like every three months or whatever, just to know, okay, A, is what I'm taking actually helping? And B, is it helping too much? <laughs> or, you know, like we, we want to still keep them um, uh, controlled and not just take stuff for taking, for the sake of taking it. That would be my point there probably. I don't know how you're going about your clients in terms of the frequency yeah. of lab work. So there's, there's one thing, um, this is, doesn't shut any kind of production down because this is all natural supplementation. So I've got clients that have really good, decent levels of free tea and natural testosterone, uh, total testosterone that take it and their levels. This is never going to put you to the ranges where you're going to have side effects. Only, yeah. only using, um, you know, testosterone replacement therapy or anabolics on your is going to do that. So it's really no downside. Um, I've got a client He's one of my coaches. We posted his labs. He went all the way up to a thousand nanograms per deciliter using Mac, uh, um, hormone optimizer and it maxed mm -hmm. his testosterone out. Um, but it's just going to help you one. It's, it's going to help you with recovery. So you're going to recover better. You're going to put on more muscle. You're going to keep cortisol lower, which is great for health. So to me, even if, if, as long as you're not, even if you're in a great range, there's no reason not to just take your okay. labs first. Take your labs yep. first, see where you are, take it, and then measure it eight weeks later and see where it is. People see the biggest responses that are middle of the road testosterone or a little lower because their body, it, it needs to come up, right? Somebody that's already pretty high, you're not going to see a, you're not going to see these 100 to 200 nanogram per deciliter increases for a guy um, or for a female, like, you know, if you're all the way down at like a 16 and you're trying to get up into the 20s and 30s, it, it can get you up there. But you're already in the 20s and 30s. It's not going to boost you up to a 50, for example. So the higher your natural levels are, the less results you're going to get from this. But it's still going to boost it some. 
so I wouldn't worry too much about that. But if you're low or middle of the road, it's going to be a big, a big difference maker. Okay, perfect. So aside from uh, ashwagandha, what would be some other recommendations in terms of um, cortisol, getting cortisol down? Is there anything else in terms of supplements? It's it's definitely the number one. Um, rhodiola is another good one. Um, but to me, ashwagandha, I mean, it is just, it's the one, like it's the number one. There's a reason why it's the go-to for almost everybody. You know, New Ethics makes a product called uh, Cordy's and it's, I have all my clients take that as well. Uh, but Cordy's is, is really good. Now it's got ashwagandha in there as well. It's got a Relora blend. Um, it's got phosphatidylserine in there. So it's, it's a different product in and of itself, all for cortisol reduction. So I have my clients take two capsules before bed to drop cortisol so they can recover better, sleep better, which also helps raise testosterone. But as far as cortisol reduction, to me, the the absolute best total product is Cordy's from New Ethics. Uh, but just taking ashwagandha, you know, at least 600 milligrams of KM66, um, you can get sensoril, which is ashwagandha root leaf extract, you know, try and get about 150, 200 milligrams of that. You can take that by itself. But KM66, I think is, is the, the standard to go to as far as like the standalone ingredient, if you're going to order it from somewhere. Um, but I just tell people take Cordy's because the proof's in the pudding. You got all this, this, the COAs on it from all the testing. Like they post that on their website at new ethics. And as people that we carry it because of the quality, um, so th those are the ones, but ashwagandha is, it's, it's. Yeah, I would, yeah. I would agree with that. I don't necessarily have any um, thing to add to, 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 in terms of supplements for getting cortisol down. I, I, on that front, I would just like to hammer down that really lifestyle practices um, go way further than anything else when it comes to managing your cortisol better. <laughs> so simply, and as lame as that sounds to like an adv advanced athlete, and as we're speaking about, you know, what can we do when it comes to supplementation, but it's just the truth. There are many other things um, that like uh, doing anything to optimize your sleep, is going to help with the cortisol as well, or doing anything to help you, you know, remind, remain calmer throughout the day. And perhaps doing um, just five to 10 minutes post training where you're like actually working on winding down um, you know, where you're controlling your breathing, et cetera. I think that that can go a really long way, but of course, often, so often taking a pill for something just sounds easier and more fun. <laughs> to, to, so, yeah, but um, when it comes to that, as I said, I'm a huge fan of ashwagandha. Other than that, I would just say people, there's no way around some lifestyle practices. You know, another thing to someone could take um, is a sleep aid, because the better sleep you get, the deeper sleep, the more you're going to recover, the less cortisol, the more, the higher testosterone, because a lot of the testosterone cases that I fix, their sleep is just, it's just mm -hmm. jacked up. It's just shit, right? So a sleep aid can help. But when you're looking at sleep aids, one of the things that can help chill you out is GABA. And that that's in, we have a couple different sleep aids that we recommend. Um, I've got one that doesn't have GABA and I, it's basically a melatonin based product. And then we also carry Jason's from New Ethics called relaxed liposomal and it has melatonin and GABA and some passion flower in there, but GABA, it chills you out. So like when you take it about an hour before bed, GABA helps relax you. It helps chills you out. I don't know the exact mechanism. If it lower, I don't, I don't believe it's a cortisol lowering agent. I just know that. It I think GABA is actually out. like a neurotransmitter, which just helps switch your mind off as far as I I'm aware. And so it, it would work that route. I would believe. Yeah. Um, Cause you mentioned rhodiola rosea earlier. Um, I, I have heard it being recommended more and more recently as well, but more in the sense of potentially aiding like muscular endurance. So, uh, you know, if we're doing hypertrophy training, et cetera, and even in that higher rep range, like 15 to 20 sort of thing, it's meant to just help you be able to go harder for longer type of thing. Um, as opposed to actually working with the, with the cortisol on, on that front. But yeah, I mean, anything that that helps us get more out of our training i guess so that brings me to the next point which is fat burners that's listed on there as well um 
is that is do you have products in that realm because that name is you know bashed around people are like oh fat burners do they work do they not work i feel like you're either someone who's really really believes in them or you're someone who's like you might as well just drink a coffee and you're doing the same thing <laughs> so um yeah share your thoughts with us i so i have a very hard stance on this um but let me tell you right now fat burners are just a huge waste of money. But let me explain to everyone why. I could build one right now. I could build the world's best fat burner on paper and I would sell so much of that shit to my my customers and to everybody listening here right now. And I would sell my soul and and just promote it. And listen, I will never do that. I'm, I've been on record. I will never do that. Here's why. My good friend from the University of South Florida, Dr. Bill Campbell, one of the best researchers in the world when it comes to physique enhancement. He, he made a post a few years back and, and they did the research on some popular fat burners. Um, I, I'm trying to remember back. I don't think he named the actual fat burners. I don't, I don't think he would do that. But generally, you see fat burners are all mostly they all mostly have the same ingredients, right? Lots of stems, green tea, like, all, you know, basically everything legal that you can take, uh, you him being like the whole nine yards. And why some of these ingredients do help with fat burning, like you him being HCL, um, they can actually help with some stubborn fat. It's not something to where these fat burners that are out there, people are spending 50, 60, $100 on with, with all the marketing. He did the research and he showed how many extra calories you burned per day taking a fat burner. Lisa, I was blown away. I don't know if you've seen the post. Can you just want to take a guess how many extra calories you burned? I mean, you're you're prefacing it in a way that it was probably very, very right. little. <laughs> right. So I don't know. I, I don't remember the exact number and I'm a numbers guy, but I remember it was like between an extra 20 and 30 calories a day. So here's the thing. If you're going to spend all that money on that, you're going to burn the thermic effect from the fat burner, which is mostly the stems, is going to help. You know, maybe you just moved and you fidgeted more and you, you burn an extra 20 to 30 calories, right? Here's the problem. A lot of these quote unquote fat burners, they're so high stem. What's going to happen is they're really going to start to tax your adrenals. You're going to see cortisol start to go up a lot more which means you're going to lower thyroid hormone over time. You're going to make less testosterone. You're not going to be as recovered. Your sleep patterns can be vastly interrupted, which is a whole shit show cascade that we've talked about with hormones. So fat burners, to me, people use them and especially abuse them. They can actually lead to more stalls. They actually are going to inhibit fat loss. And I've, I've gone on record with this and a lot of the other well-respected coaches in the industries that saw Bill's post and they just, they just, are not trying to sell product, they agree with that. So no, don't waste your money on fat burners. To me, the best fat burners are things like, we'll talk about glucose disposal agents. It's not really a fat burner. It's just something to help you maximize fat loss um, in a healthy sense. Kind of like cortisol reduction products, right? To me, those are quote unquote fat burners, but really they're just enabling you to burn more fat, easier without as many stalls, um, so yeah, that's that's kind of my take on that. I I would as I as I was um, uh, alluding to earlier, I would add um, like caffeine to that list as as the only thing that I personally um, recommend as a quote unquote fat burner. Um, even just for the reason that it might again only if it doesn't inhibit your sleep so only in the in the morning ideally. Um, but if it gets you to work out harder or fidget more or be able to get your steps in etc. As opposed to just wanting to lounge around because you're on such low calories. Um, and of course you're, you're, you feel that you're getting warmer. And so that, you know, it might increase your movement as well. So that would be the only thing that I would add on that front, but yeah, let's talk about glucose disposal, the disposal agents. And why would you add that to that list or how does that work? So glucose disposal agents are very, very interesting products. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, supplements, right? There's medications like metformin um, that work really, really well. But glucose disposal agents are basically, so when you're in a fat loss phase, some of the things that, that can block fat loss, either shut it down completely or, or somewhat block it are, are insulin and higher blood sugar, right? So when you're in a stress state and you're dieting down, you're on less calories, you're under-recovered, 
um, your cortisol is going to be a little higher. And when cortisol is a little higher, it makes you secrete a little bit higher blood sugar. Okay. It's kind of, when you're in a stressed state, your body's like, here's, here's some more blood sugar. So it elevates. It's like, here's the energy to go run or get away from the, when you're in a stressed state, your blood sugar is just going to be a little higher. Your body's trying to give you some energy. Well, when your blood sugar goes up, insulin has to go up to help store the blood sugar and drive it back down to normal. So what happens is, is, is when people are dieting, uh, glucose, blood sugar, and insulin tends to ride a little bit higher in the body. And it tends to block and make fat loss a little bit harder, not hundred percent block it. Um, but I've seen extreme cases to where it's certainly like people are stalled out on low calories when they should be dropping, right? It's a hormone issue. It's, it's insulin is the hormone and blood sugar. So what a glucose disposal agent does, um, there are some really good ones. Berberine right now to me is the top. It's kind of the poor man's metformin, 500 milligrams. Um, that's the that's the main one, but there's different ingredients that do different things. So I'm going to talk about the main ones. We just reformulated our GDA. It used to be five pills. I condensed it down to two, but I left the heavy hitters in there. And berberine is the main one. And here's how berberine works. When you take it, your body then starts, it's almost like it's tricked. And I hate to use the word trick. You can't really trick your body, but it makes your body think it's low on fuel and it starts pushing fatty acids into the mitochondria to be used as fuel and other, and other things for fuel, right? So it helps lower blood sugar, which means your insulin is going to lower in general as well. And it makes fat loss easier, right? So berberine is, is really a great product. It improves your insulin sensitivity. Um, Another one is, is, uh, chromium, excuse me. Chromium is basically the cofactor to insulin. So when you eat a carbohydrate meal to store that and your blood sugar goes up, you secrete so many, you know, so we'll just call them units of insulin. Right. And I'm just going to throw a fictitious number out there. So don't get stuck on this. Cause it's not even real. Say you eat 50 grams of, of uh, carbs from sweet potato, your blood sugar starts to go up over the next two to three hours and maybe you secrete 10 units of insulin or whatever to help drive that back down to normal. But when you take something like chromium, it acts like insulin. It's the cofactor. So now chromium is helped driving the blood sugar down and you don't have to secrete as much insulin. So now you have lower circulating insulin, which helps you not impede fat loss as much. So that's why it's very, a very good product. Uh, 200 milligrams of chromium really does the trick. Uh, that's the other one that we used. ALA is a good antioxidant, but it also acts like insulin. So when your blood sugar is up and you take ALA, it helps drive the blood sugar down. So you don't, um, you don't have elevated blood sugar for as long. So ALA is a really, really good one. Uh, we have gymnema, really not uh, that important to spend a lot of time on that one to talk about the mechanisms, but there are good ingredients, but those to me are the best ones. Another one's vanadyl sulfate, um, you know, 10 to 15, um, with that will help act like insulin, help drive blood sugar down. But those first three that I named, those are the main ones. And what just happens over time, it allows you to uh, utilize the carbohydrates that you eat better, keep your blood sugar more stable in a better place and keep insulin lower. And when I say low, I'm not talking about we're lowering your insulin to where you go hypoglycemic. I'm talking about keeping it lower at kind of a baseline level. And it just makes fat loss easier. It's just the way the body works. Not a ton of research done because, again, not enough stuff's controlled in these studies when it comes to things like glucose disposal agents. It needs to be a very controlled environment and the way things are measured. So um, I, I've tested these with a glucometer. I can't tell you how many times I've poked my finger testing eating you know, a white potato with a GDA and a white potato without, you know, my blood sugar may spike up to like 250 without it, and it might spike up to like 160. Uh, taking a glucose disposal agent. So it just goes to show like they work. You just have to get ones that are really high quality. Um, don't use cheap stuff. Don't, don't use Walmart GDAs. They actually came out with some for a while. Not a big fan. Um, but that's how, that's how GDAs work. Yeah. I think there is actually more and more research, especially on berberine. So that's, that's the one that I usually um, tend to recommend if we're going for that. And um, of course, as I always like to um, also recommend lifestyle things, going for a walk after a carby meal 
great way <laughs> great way to help your body deal with that glucose better um, even without a gda but um only other question i have on that front is would you recommend that um even if someone's in a gaining phase or off season generally or mostly just for fat loss phases so a gda to me is more important in the off season than it is during because if you think about it someone that's we'll say a female eating I don't know, 220 carbs in the off season, that, that might be her upper limit to where she's not gaining a lot of fat, but she's probably gaining a little, right? And that's, I'm just another fictitious number. Maybe 220 carbs is the threshold. Maybe for a guy, it's 350 a day. When you're eating that many carbs in your training, your muscle cells, it's kind of like a fuel tank. It's mostly topped off. It's mostly full of carbs. So when you train, you deplete. When you walk around, do stuff during the day, it depletes a little and your liver. But what happens is when you go have a high carb day or a free meal, your cells are so topped off with glycogen, all the excess will, will be stored as fat a lot easier. So taking a glucose disposal agent helps your body do all the things I just talked about. And when you're training, your insulin sensitivity and your muscle is so much greater. You're going to store glycogen there with priority. So it's, it's a good idea to take GDAs, especially in the off season, because you want to help you want to stay as lean as you can, you know, healthy, stay as lean as you can without gaining too much fat. So I, I'm a big believer in GDAs with every carb meal, um, just to keep that, okay. keep that insulin just a little bit lower. Awesome. I think that's very helpful. And yeah, going from, from carbs to the topic that we have coming up in the next episode, which is, And it sounds very basic, but I do want to go more into detail than what it sounds. Uh, the topic is, is dietary protein really that important? I did put that as our next topic because, well, A, we might also have some beginners here listening to this and B, um, there are studies, et cetera, thrown around where it's now saying, okay, 0.6 grams per pound of body weight is totally sufficient. And blah, blah, blah. you hear all these different things. So I just want to really dive into, into protein, what's too much, what's not, et cetera. And that's going to be coming up. Yeah. That'll be a good deep dive because we'll get advanced on that. I mean, we'll talk about, we can talk about all the different, you know, types of dieting too, that require lower proteins. So like, I'll talk about how I set up a ketogenic diet and how there's lots of different ways with the research to set up, but I found a way that works really, really well. Or you've got someone that's trying to put on as much muscle as possible, or you got someone that has digestion issues. So like there's, we can, we can talk about all of it. That's going to be a fun one. So, all right, well, that's been a great topic today. I hope you guys enjoyed that again, check out the show notes. If you want to get tickets to the fat muscle Academy, come visit with us. We're going to have a It's going to be fun. Like we have a huge giant workout that night at the gym. Open to everybody. It's it's free of charge, of course. You can train whatever you want. Train with whoever you want. I'm going to try and get our famous Hertz Donuts there for everybody to have after their workout. So it's going to be a blast. Once again, from Lisa and myself, we're out of here. See you guys. Thank you.